This is the remix. It's too much. I mean, my hope is the competition committee looks at this in the next set of meetings and, you know, we take the dresses off. Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! Have you been lobbying or asking for some late hits there? Or? I don't. I don't throw the flags. You guys are trying to get me fined. I'm not gonna bite. I'm just. Not, I'm not going there. I mean, I can't. I can't. Uh, I got it off my chest, and he he got it off his chest. So he he made the call he made, and I got what I needed set. Hey, listen. This is a Christian-like league, man. I'm gonna pray that I stay off the quarterback. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna have to pick him up and carry him, lay him down nowadays, man. You know. Were you satisfied with the uh, effort that your team put out today? <laughs> satisfied with the effort? We just got smashed. Like, what are we talking about here, guys? You sense any give up in the locker room? Hell no. What kind of questions that, Phil? Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Uh, those are both great. Mike Tomlin, we just got smashed. And Brilliant. Dave Beamer with the hell no, Phil. Uh, very good. Now. Which call was worse? The roughing the passer call against Chris Jones, where he sacked Derek Carr and literally took the ball out of his hand before Carr hit the ground, or the defensive holding call on Malcolm Kuntz on Kansas City's missed field goal that gave the Chiefs a first down in which they ultimately ended up scoring a touchdown? I think it's a fumble, right? Because you just you get a different type of punch from turnovers, and and that one was negated. And I, I just think it, it changes the game entirely. And a lot of the stuff that I've re I've read based off of the coverage last night seemed like that fired up the Chiefs pretty well. And so second half is always a, a a really tough proposition against the Chiefs, especially with Travis Kelsey. Like his stat line is bonkers to me. But all you need is a little inspiration to get that momentum wagon going. So I'm not too worried about which call was worse because I think you can make a pretty simple point about those two calls. Both of those calls took the ball away from a team. Yeah. Right. In the, the sack, the roughing the passer case that would have been Kansas city would have had possession. Instead, the Raiders kept possession and got a first down. And in the missed field goal case, the, the chiefs would have had missed a field goal and the Raiders would have gotten the ball. Instead, Kansas city got yeah. the ball and a first down. The difference to me has nothing to do with the actual calls. The difference is Kansas City, after the missed field goal, went down and scored a touchdown. The Raiders, after getting the roughing the passer call, ran three offensive plays in the final 90 seconds. They handed the ball off. They took one shot to Mac Hollins down the field, and then they handed the ball off and let the clock run down to 22 seconds before kicking a field goal at the end of the first half. The Raiders got one of the biggest gift calls mm -hmm. of the season and immediately went conservative and said, let's run the clock out and kick a field goal. Yeah. They did not try to score a touchdown. So both teams got a gift of a call where they kept the ball when the opponent should have had it. The Raiders kicked a field goal. The Chiefs scored a touchdown. That's that's the difference right there. Like, that's the difference between one Kansas of the differences. and the Raiders. I, I just hate... Um, boiling it all down to just like penalties because I feel like that's just little control stuff that you should have down. That's something that the Raiders have always struggled with historically, but certainly struggling with this year. My question is, is like, did Kansas City purposefully not throw to Travis Kelsey outside of the red zone? It's possible. Because 
I just, it looked like in that first half they were doing so well and then we stopped tackling or at least we had a, a lot tougher time doing it. And then all of a sudden all this congestion is just gone. And then he just like gets free and clear. Four touchdown passes. He has like what, 48 yards or something like that? Less than that. It's even. ridiculous. I think it was 25. And you can't stop him. Like he's a Raider masher. Like he always has been. So I, like that 17 nothing lead, I was like, I don't feel safe in this at all. So my favorite thing that the Raiders did against Travis Kelsey last night uh, on a third and 15, they took Cleland Furl, a defensive end, and lined him up out wide in front of Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. They doubled. They they wanted Cleveland Furl to just push him, and Cleveland Furl pushed him in the face, which is a penalty. <laughs> and and the Chiefs got a first down. It's but it's it it's one of the most bizarre things I've seen. Where like it's been done before, where teams will take a defensive end, line him up over a tight end yeah. or receiver to try to disrupt him, but not Cleveland Furl. Cleveland Furl's not going to do anything good to Travis Kelsey. Yeah. There's not going to be, there's not a positive outcome to that. No, we saw a couple plays from Crosby. He would, he would basically just like push him off the line. Then yeah. Crosby gets after the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And, but Cleveland Furl decided we can't even get that right. He was going to push him in the face, two hands to the face, which yep. again is, is a penalty. Yep. And that's the funniest thing I've seen The the chiefs and uh, Patrick Mahomes after the game, he actually said, uh, yeah, the Raiders are trying to do what new England does. And put two guys on Kelsey, try to beat him up or whatever, yeah. and not let him make get, it hard for him, him just to do his job. Which I thought was interesting that he referenced exactly New England, since you know that's where Josh McDaniels that's, came from, yeah. and everything. And I find it funny that the Raiders apparently did a good job of keeping Travis Kelsey covered for the most part between the twenties. It just inside the ten, they elected that Travis Kelsey was going to be open. Like Travis Kelsey scores four touchdowns. One of them, he caught it like the five yard line and yeah. broke three tackles. Like that's okay. He's just that's better. Travis than the Kelsey, LT. What's that? He mushed the guy yeah. into the ground. Uh, one of them. One of them he ran was, free and clear. Yeah. One of them, he was single covered and he was open, not wide open, but he was open and right. Mahomes hit him. But one of his touchdowns, the Raiders just left him. Yeah. He just, just like, it was just, he went down the ramp and then he cut to the left. He was just like, hello. Like, Jared, who's number 83? Who's the other tight end for Kansas City that randomly oh. gets like four targets a it's game? It's not Watson. It's not Pringle. Whatever I'm that guy is. It's, I, it's not Chris that Kringle. important. Not that important. Whoever the hell 83 is, if you left that guy wide open, okay. Sure. Like, still not Beat good. us with this guy by all means. But you can't leave Travis Kelsey wide open no. in the end zone. And the Raiders did that last night. It was just fascinating because Noah Gray. Noah Gray. Once again, Wonder, a there's any relation a, to Sonny Gray. A creative player that they just sort of whipped up. Does Noah Gray have a career touch or has to have a touchdown catch this year? One of them has a touchdown catch and one of them has a touchdown run. The backup tight ends for Kansas City. You do not have that pulled up, I'm guessing, based on your, I do not. your scrambling face over there. But I think we've officially gotten the answer. Are the, the Kansas City Chiefs hurting without Tyree Kill or just without that type of deep threat? And the, the heavy concentration on short dink and dunk passes, if you just look at the, the charts and stuff, and they're able to get it done. They were hurting in the first half without that because mm-hmm. one of the keys, and um, well, a guy who covers the Chiefs or the Athletic was tweeting about this, the Raiders did a terrific job of stopping Kansas City's offense early in that game mm-hmm. by playing just one deep safety. Most of the time in the past when Kansas City has had any sort of issue scoring, which isn't often, it's been with teams playing two high safeties. Yeah. And that was one of the big narratives last year when Kansas City had some struggles. But the Raiders last night 
first half, they were playing one high safety so much. And then what changed in the second? Well, here's and here's the thing. I don't know what happened differently. I think the reason the one high safety was working, A, Tyree Kill is not there. But B, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones were generating a lot of pressure. Yeah. Jones actually was noticeable yeah. last night. After the second quarter, did either one of those two make a play? No. Did either one of those two have a single good play? So in the Jekyll second and half? Hyde. So I I don't know exactly what happened because there were a lot of plays where they were getting it wasn't always a double team or a chip for those two. They were getting yeah. single coverage by a left or a right tackle and did they, they didn't do anything. Those two did not make an impact on the game in the second half. When they they dominated. They were awesome. So the the Raiders game plan was basically we're going to play one high safety. Our four defensive linemen are going to put pressure on Mahomes yeah. and we're going to have it so congested between zero and 15 yards down the field. And you never give him the that, same look, right? Then Mahomes is going to have a hard time. Even Mahomes is going to have a hard time. Speed up that people. internal clock and make them, uh, make them make decisions. But to be fair too, like in the first half, Josh Jacobs was also dominating. I dominated the second half too. Yeah. This is, in all seriousness, he's been the best player this season. Incredible. The like best I'm, player this season. I'm one to sit here and tell you that Hey, Matt Collins, <laughs> He didn't do anything last night. last night. I, I'd be one to sit here and tell you that running Daniel backs Carlson. don't matter. You can, you can plug in backup running backs and you're not going to lose very much. Josh Jacobs has been unbelievable. He's been like, great swimming through contact this yeah. year. Like He's getting an extra three, four yards every time. And it's amazing. The the Still the one big problem with him is he doesn't have the breakaway speed. Oh, like, no. When he hits he's a, a hole. He's a battering ram guy. Right. When yep. He did it last night. He hit the hole, had a safety one-on-one, -on -one, and instead of trying to make him miss or just run away from him, he just lowered his shoulder that and ran the oh guy Oh, my over. God. that And then you saw the opposite angle. Like, that is what yeah. you call a violent and, play. And it was like... Unreal. It's great to watch, but also your running back is 20 yards down the field with one guy to beat. Make him miss. Like, yeah. don't that's just not, run him that's over not and his go game. down. But that he doesn't do that. But he's still been unbelievable. He's been this, the silver like, lining for I'm sure. Genuinely blown away how good Josh Jacobs has been. And I need to find this stat uh to make sure I have it right. I believe uh that the Raiders, it was a 150-yard rusher. A 100-yard receiver, Devontae Adams, no turnovers, and two punts or fewer. And he still lost. They're the first team in NFL history <laughs> to lose while doing those four things. Yeah. Oh, my like, goodness. It, it's it's unbelievable that they lost doing those but four things. But didn't they have a ton of penalties last night? I think they were only minus six in the Yeah, I, I remember that the bottom of the stat was minus six in, in total, yeah. but it was it just that stuff kills your momentum though. It's oh like, oh get it's out a of here. Get out of here with your momentum. I'm not even I'm not even meaning to do it. Like <laughs> like just generally but you know when you're like in a flow of something and, and the and the plays are going off and you're and you're everything's going off without a hitch and then all of a sudden holding and then the timing goes off again and then that mojo's gone and now it's a where we the drive is stalled. Like that's real. What about when Cleveland Furl hits Travis Kelsey in the face? That would probably be a momentum stopper for sure. Moment. It's well, just like Travis Kelsey's momentum. He couldn't get down the field. Not enough because yeah. he was he went out for four for four TDs. What do you what do you think about the momentum of Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro running into each other on fourth down? It was a convergence of two points. It wasn't great. <laughs> it was not great. I'm just glad that he was out there, but I'm also just like, please don't touch Hunter. You know, just like please just leave him alone. Right? They're trying to avoid No him. wonder there was no yeah. passes over the middle last night for them. It was just like we we can't hang our guy out to dry like that. All right. Um, so yeah, there's the Raiders. They are now one and four on the season. Um go ahead, Jared. Noah Gray has five catches 
for zero touchdowns and one rush for one there touchdown. it is there it is how many yards do those does he have on those five catches 55 oh, oh better than, i was thinking we were getting like five for eight I or like some that. jason witten no that's there. they're they're taking the dink and dunks yeah except yeah. that the chief's version of dink and dunks it's is still, still 10 yards yeah like beyond the stick just yeah. patrick mahomes <laughs> yeah. elusiveness right it's still gonna happen there so they're one and four uh travis kelsey can be stopped unless he's in the red zone I, I will say in the first half, if you get a hold of like the inside of his like shoulder pads while he's trying to run a crossing route, that does slow him down. I in all seriousness, I thought the Raiders were running away with that game. Uh, and obviously they were up seventeen. Once they had that field that goal to close out the half, I'm like, I don't like this. But they were and, and the reason why is the Raiders defensive line was crushing yeah, Kansas getting City's home. offensive mm-hmm. line. And the Raiders Josh Jacobs was running for five plus yards on every single carry. Yep. Like I like generally Bleed when out you the watch, clock, baby. When you watch a football game and one team's offensive line is dominant and their defensive line is dominant, they're gonna win the game. But yeah. in the second half, the Raiders' offensive line was still good run blocking, not so much pass blocking, but they're still good run blocking second half. But the defensive line disappeared, and once Mahomes had more than two seconds, yeah. he carved them up. Did they necessarily disappear or did Mahomes like Start actually like moving a little well, bit no, better key, in the pocket. The biggest thing was Jones and and Crosby were getting home so quickly that Mahomes couldn't just get out. Like that, like that's the thing. Mahomes is so good at avoiding pressure and yep. extending a play, but Crosby was getting there so quickly. He's getting to him at the right time. Yeah, like was, sometimes you get there early and then he spins out and he can get away from me. But it was almost like he would almost hesitate a little bit and then enclose. And drape over him. Yeah, there, and the other part is they were both getting there a lot of times, which means yeah. he, he didn't have anywhere to go. He could like there Facts. was nowhere to go because it's not like there was an open spot in the pocket. Sorry, I'm trying to think of this like so in the second half, Mahomes like ah, I got their timing down, guys. <laughs> right, they're gonna be here a little bit faster. Yes, all I gotta do is speed up. Yeah, I didn't know that. Basically, <laughs> might be what it was. All right, coming up next, it's Bischoff's briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. Throwing out random numbers authoritatively is the best way to pass as a baseball expert. Bischoff's Briefs. By the way, it's commendable how many baseball players care so deeply about the Equal Rights Amendment. Bischoff's Briefs. Somebody get me some antibiotics because that ball is gonorrhea. Bischoff's Briefs. Today I'm here to tell you that NFL teams are dumb and they keep being dumb and they're not going to stop being dumb. Uh, Ron Rivera, head coach of the Commanders, was asked why his team isn't good. Uh, the rest of the NFC East is four and one. The Commanders are one and four. And Ron Washington gave a one-word answer: quarterback. Uh, Ron Washington. I was going to say Ron Rivera of the Washington Commanders gave a one-word oh, answer. I, I think Ron Washington is like a character actor from no, the no, 80s. He's, he's, he's a uh, baseball manager. Yeah, he's a baseball, oh, former yeah. baseball manager. He managed the Rangers? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he's now an assistant somewhere. Um, but Ron Rivera of Washington said quarterback. Uh, the Commanders traded for Carson Wentz. They sent a third rounder and a conditional, or a second rounder and a conditional third rounder to Indy. Um, I was thinking of character actor Ron Canada. Obviously the same person. Um, So first off, Ron Rivera blaming the quarterback position for why his team isn't any good is funny simply because Cooper Rush is the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys right now. Cooper Rush has been the starting quarterback for all four Cowboy 
wins. And that guy had like 100 passing yards yeah. on Sunday. And a Camp Rock to, uh, world tour over the summer. I just His name sounds like a Disney Channel thing. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Um, the Cowboys are not winning because of their quarterback. They have a team. Their defense is very, very good this year. Yep. Their team is winning games, and Cooper Rush is just sort of existing. Also, in that division, if we're looking at and saying, ah, quarterbacks, are we really talking about Daniel Jones? Are we really talking about, like, oh, wow, the Giants have Daniel we Jones? We kind of have to start talking about it because they're four and one. But it's not like, oh, Daniel. No, there's not NFL teams. Many NFL teams that are truly jealous of Daniel Jones. Nobody's chip like chip on if, the shoulder with no fifth year Daniel Jones option picked up. He's got something to prove. Him and uh, and uh, Saquon. Yeah, we'll see. So, what when Ron Rivera is talking about first year quarterbacks, he also went on to talk about continuity and these other teams have been building for years, which is true. Brian Dable's a first year head coach in New York. They, there's zero continuity there. Right when you have your backup quarterback come in in Dallas, there's not any continuity. The Eagles, you can point to, oh, they've built around Jalen Hurts. Absolutely, it's hundred percent true. But the Eagles aren't the only team that have a good record. They also were trying really NFC. hard not to build around Jalen Hurts for a while. They did. They yep. did try that. So Ron Rivera is just unnecessarily throwing his quarterback under the bus because that's Correct. not the only reason. Carson Wentz is not any good though. But the reason NFL teams are dumb is not because of Ron Rivera throwing his quarterback under the bus. The reason NFL teams are dumb is because. Every year, we get a handful of teams that make the dumbest possible decision at quarterback that they could possibly make. Teams every year, the Commanders did it, the Panthers did it. Mm -hmm. Teams every year decide, you know what we need? We need the 21st best quarterback in the NFL. If we can get the 21st best quarterback in the NFL, we're going to go from being a four-win team to being a six-win team. And that is stupid. And that's what Carolina did. And guess what? Their coach got fired and Baker Mayfield's been awful. Yeah. That's what the commanders did. And guess what? Their quarterback's been awful. Ron Rivera might get fired. Like yeah. that could happen. Like this is a mistake that teams continue to make because they're so desperate to not be a four win team and instead be a six or seven win team, which guess what? That's significant. That takes worse. you out of the running right. for the 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 most important part about building yeah. your team, which is a high draft pick to potentially get a next generational quarterback. And take what the commanders did. They traded for Carson Wentz. We all know Carson Wentz isn't any good. He Correct. was just in Indy and had a failed season you, in Indy. You couldn't have had like a more catastrophic second half of the yeah. season. Like the fact that he was that quickly, like new job, it only made sense for the commanders uh, anywhere else. <laughs> it, you're like, what the hell's going on? You're like, what's the commanders man? I'm like, that makes sense. It's a match made in heaven. Carolina decided they were going to go get Baker Mayfield and try to make that work. And guess what? That has not worked at all. Well, you haven't had the competition of Sam Darnold back there because he's boy, been hurt. Sam Darnold would have really pushed, okay, but you got it. Things could be different if there's somebody pushing. The Atlanta Falcons went and got Marcus Mariota. Now, yep. the Falcons are two and three. Watch out now. They're not terrible. Probably are. Seeing the NFC Championship but game. They're, the Falcons are not going to do anything with Marcus Mariota. The Falcons are not going to the postseason with no. Marcus Mariota. And but do we expect them to? No. And that's the key here. Right. Teams that don't have a chance mm -hmm. at going or at winning the Super Bowl or, you know, really going to the playoffs, right? If your ceiling is an eight win team. Mm -hmm. You should not be spending free agency money or assets in a trade on a quarterback. That is Marcus Mariota, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz type quarterback, because those quarterbacks don't change how good you are. Those quarterbacks aren't good enough. What you should be doing, obviously 
there's the elite group of quarterbacks. There's yeah. the Mahomes, the everybody wants but you gotta that. You got to put butts in seats. You can't just have like random They suck. They're one I know, four. but like you can't like just think about if you don't go out and trade for Carson Wentz and you're going to run out Taylor, uh, Taylor Heineke I again. Bet they love Taylor I, Heineke. I like more. Taylor Heineke. I like when he stretched out and hit the ply on two and it was almost there. They almost beat the Bucks in the championship. We were this close. I get it. I'm a huge fan of Chase Young. But there's also the reality of selling tickets. And if you don't have somebody with like an actual recognizable name, if you got John Booty the third out there, like nobody's gonna be like, Yeah, we're gonna go to the we're gonna go to the commanders game. The Pittsburgh Steelers drafted a quarterback in the first round and then decided they need to see three and a half games of Mitch Trubisky. When we know Mitch Trubisky sucks, there's n- Mitch Trubisky is not taking that team to the playoffs. Kenny Pickett's a first-round pick because here, here's what they you haven't, want in the They haven't sucked in so long. I don't know why everybody's so up in arms about the Pittsburgh City. I'm like, be bad for once. No, Deal no. with it. It's don't okay. Do no. don't want to do that. No, do here, do that. Here's the key. Why? When you're in the NFL, you obviously want the elite quarterback. You want one of the best five in the league, but only five teams can have that, right? It's very hard to get one of those quarterbacks. So if you can't have that, your other options, right? You could have a Derek Carr-type quarterback. Your Derek Carrs, your Kirk Cousins, where... Mm-hmm. You you could conceivably win with that quarterback, right? Yeah. If everything, if the if the roster's good around a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, you can do what the Rams did with Matt Stafford. Stafford's not significantly better. Until than Ryan Carr Tannehill gets in the way during the playoffs, until that happens. that happens. But you can win with that guy, and I don't really blame teams for going with the Carr and the Cousins, even though you're unlikely to win anything. You can still win something with those quarterbacks. But if you don't have that, if you don't have the top end guy, and you don't have the Carr Cousins level, you should be going for rookie quarterback. Just to see if Kenny Pickett works. Just, I mean, Carolina drafted Matt Crow. Granted, it was the third round. See if Matt Crow works. Atlanta has Desmond Ritter. Just to see, because there is a chance Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter is great. And then you have the most valuable thing in the sport, and that is a good quarterback on a rookie contract. You have a quality quarterback who you're paying $4 million, whereas Mahomes is going to make $40 million, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is going to make $50 million next year, right? right. If you, you don't have to have Aaron Rodgers if, let's say, Matt Corral in Carolina is 80% of what Aaron Rodgers is. He's not going to be that. But if he was, and you're paying him $5 million, you can build the rest of your roster so much better than the team that spends the quarterback. So you either want elite quarterback, But maybe, is it the best for your roster to automatically start the rookie quarterback? Yes, I don't think that's necessarily the commanders true. Are one and four. What if your other players are a couple years ahead and you know that you're going to be moving on from whoever you have? And so would you rather have a young guy that you're just trying to get a chance or would you rather have somebody that can help bring them along a little bit more, maybe solidify their development, how they go about their business day to day and then make that gamble the next season? Let them play. I just let the, I, the automatic right thrusting of let them the into the. In, I just right. I don't agree with it. There's, I think it's a, I think it's mostly a recipe for disaster. There's only one. Uh, well, all of this is a disaster, anyways. There's only one sort of stopgap quarterback that's. I like that, this show that you could say has worked out so far this season, and it's Geno Smith. Yeah. But the key difference there is Whoa. he's sat a long time. <laughs> he's been not, waiting for seven years. Was there this not proves my point. A Jacoby Brissett sighting? He has also been sitting for a very long time. That's it. It's not just can you throw the ball. We got to see the talent. How's it going upstairs? Can you actually break down the play? Can you not go into like panic mode once you have a couple defensive ends chasing after you? And then can you get back in the huddle and move on to the next thing? Like a lot of these guys aren't up to that speed. Geno Smith started 16 games in his rookie year. He did not sit. Correct, but, but the, he has been sitting for this, and there's a reason why he was on that team as a backup, because they rushed him right. too much in New York. But And here's the key with Geno Smith in Seattle, who I would say right now is the one that's worked. 
Seattle didn't go out and trade for him or give up assets for him. He was he was already on the roster. They just started him because they had him, which I which is a big difference than hey, hey he he was kind of free to a good home, right? Which is to me a lot different. Yeah, than, when hey, he stayed at the farm. They fed him well. It's great. Like it's awesome. <laughs> but I just that proves it. Like you, some of these guys need time to just settle in and and get those mental reps that we all talk about. Like Hold that's on, a very I'm, real thing. I'm looking through this. Geno Smith's best season. He was his best season until this year was his rookie year. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he was on the Jets. He got worse his second, third, and fourth well, years. Well, okay, but one year he won he won the starting job and then got his jaw broken. That happens. Yeah. All right, we need to go to break. Yeah, Ryan Wallace joins the ago. show next. This isn't the Alex Ovechkin Power Hour. This is the VGK Update with Ryan Wallace. Follow him on Twitter at RyanHockeyGuy. I'm out. What are you more excited about, Ryan? The Golden Knights starting their season or Blink-182 coming to Las Vegas next year? What, what, what did you just call them? What, what was that? Blink. I stuttered a little bit, yeah. Blink-182? Yeah. Well, it's a dead heat, Tyler. Uh, it, it's <laughs> one-to-one. Um, it, listen, I'm really excited for hockey, but like Blink-182 hasn't been a band since like 2005, so... Um, this is this is a monumental day for me. Not just the hockey, but the Blink One Eighty Two as well, yeah. or as you put it, Blink One Eighty Seven Two. Close enough. Everybody knows what that is. All right, here's a hockey question for you. Can what? You... <laughs> oh, you're asking it. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. No, get out of here, Lindsay. <laughs> uh, can you tell me what changed between the start of training camp and to, or yesterday that led to the Golden Knights giving Nick Hague a contract worth over two million dollars a year? Um, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a really good question. Probably that third year, um, I, I would guess is, you know, more appetizing for the Vegas Golden Knights. You, you don't have a crazy qualifying offer after that. You'll have a player that's, um, got arbitration rights there too. So I, I think that from a team perspective, you look at your blue line and while you're fine with Ben Hutton and Caden Korzak, I don't think the, the, the expectation for the Golden Knights is just to kind of be fine in that spot. You've got uh, a young player with all the tools, one that you have kind of, uh, I guess, one that you've cultivated from within, which is something that this organization has been clamoring for for a long time. So um, really, I, I think it was going right down to the deadline. It was going to the point where, you know, the player didn't want to miss any paychecks and, um it probably would have benefited the player to go on a one- or two-year deal. Uh, so I think that when you kind of look at it from both sides, I would argue that both sides got reasonably where they wanted to be. Probably wouldn't expect Nick Hag to be in the lineup tonight, but the Golden Knights are opening their season on the road against the Kings. What part of the ice do you think the Golden Knights need to dominate tonight to give themselves the best chance for two points? Well, I, I think they have to dominate defensively, and, and that's not really the sexy answer, but the fact of the matter is the, the Golden Knights are going to win games based on how they defend, not necessarily how well they're going to score. I do think they'll have enough scoring to win games, but if they're not buttoned up defensively, if they're you know allowing weak side passes, seam passes, backdoor tap-ins, those kind of things that we had, had seen at times in the preseason – then it's going to be a long night for the Golden Knights. So really, they, they've got to be in tune with one another, communicating well, and really playing Bruce Cassidy's system to a T in the defensive zone, especially if they're going to spend a little bit more time there than they're used to, in order to make sure that they are not putting themselves behind the eight ball in games or putting a game out of reach by needing to come back and score five, six, seven goals. So 
defensively is where the Golden Knights are going to win and lose this year. How prevalent of a narrative will it be the first week, two weeks, three weeks of the season that this team is still adjusting and learning Bruce Cassidy's system? Well, I think it's going to be prevalent or a story if it becomes painfully obvious that there are moments where they're really good and moments where there are breakdowns that cost them games, right? It's all going to be dependent on the record. Like, if the Golden Knights go out there and they're not giving up high-danger scoring chances and they're winning games, it's not really going to be much of a story because the, the narrative will be, oh, they've learned the system, they've adjusted really well, and it's all buttoned up. Even if there's a couple of hiccups here and there, if it's not really costing them in the standings, I don't think it's going to be much of a story. But if the Golden Knights are kind of a 500 team for the first 15, 20 games because they're inconsistent defensively, then it's going to be, okay, how long is it going to take to adjust at what point you turn the corner on that and start putting in those consistent night-to-night efforts. So uh, in a long way, in a long roundabout way, Tyler, I think it depends on their record and how they look getting wins or losses that's really going to determine that storyline. The Kings are deep as hell down the middle, and the Knights are going to have to play heads-up hockey, especially in the neutral zone. When they do get that puck on those breakouts, because you mentioned that they're going to have to spend a lot more time in their defensive zone than they're used to, do you expect a pacing change? Are we going to do a run-and-gun and try to overtake like we have in the past, or a more calculated, let's get the puck deep and then forecheck and, and uh, establish offense that way? So I think it's going to be a bit of a hybrid, right? Like I think you look at the Golden Knights as they're constructed right now, and you've got three lines that I think can kind of play that transition game. So if you are out there and, and you create a turnover or the Kings make a mistake it, and you've got the puck in transition on the stick of Jack Eichel, on the stick of William Carlson, Jonathan Marsh, so on the stick of Chandler Stevenson or Mark Stone, then I think that your, your first go around is going to be trying to strike in transition. Now, I think the layer the Golden Knights are going to have to add to their game is going to be in-zone offense, the ability to create chances while you're in-zone possessing the puck and trying to work for those plays that, that are tic-tac-toe and, and goals. So um, I would argue that the top six, maybe even the top nine, if you kind of want to classify it that way, will have the green light to go in transition, whereas I think you're looking at the bottom six or, or maybe that fourth line for the Golden Knights, a little bit more chip and chase, a little bit more offensive zone time, and working for those opportunities should they come End of the season. Who's got more points, the Kings or the Golden Knights? Oh, I hate you. Um, <laughs> this is really tough. Like, I, I think, so, like, I, I like Vegas's blue line a little bit more than L.A.'s, even though Brant Clark's was phenomenal in, in preseason. I like the Kings. No, I think the Kings forward group is, is about where the Golden Knights are, and then I think both teams have questions goaltending like I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting here at the end of the year and they're like one to two points off of one another uh, but for the sake of this being Las Vegas I'm going to put the, the Vegas Golden Knights slightly ahead of the LA Kings but I think that both teams are pretty comparable in terms of what they have on the ice I'm all for drinking the Kool-Aid so why don't we keep going what should we expect from everyone's favorite Golden Knight Paul Cotter tonight uh, you know what? Uh, hopefully he's in, right? Like, I, I think that's kind of the big question going into this game. Everything else is pretty well understood, but you know, Bruce Cassidy was not 100% committed to having Paul Cotter in the lineup, and that's because Will Carrier did skate yesterday, and I think if Carrier's able to go, he might go for the Golden Knights. But if Paul Cotter's in the lineup on the ice, it's real simple, right? Like, he's got to be physical. He's got to be good away from the puck. He's got to take care of 
all three zones the way that he's done throughout the preseason, but he's also got to be direct north-south to the front of the net. Like, that's where Paul Cotter really shines. He's got a little bit of speed. He's got a really good shot. He's got a knack for being around the net. It's more of what he did in the preseason that you want to see translate, if it can translate, at the NHL level. What's the best Blink-182 song? Ooh. Um, oh, man. It, you know, it's it's real tough. Um, I really like Damn It. Like, it's it's good. So um, Excellent choice. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to go there. Like, I, I know it's it's probably everyone's favorite, but I'm going to go there for I, right now. I think Jared was going to harshly judge you one way or the other, depending on your answer that's, to that question. That's okay. That's okay. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> At least you'd go with, like, miss you or something like that. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no. Like, rock show's good. Like, I, 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 it's all it's all the punk stuff. Like, I'm not going to go with the sappy, sad stuff. Like, this is a joyous day. Damn, damn it works. I'll go with damn it. All right. He's Ryan Wallace. Check him out on the VGK Insider Show. Also, pre, post, and intermission during Golden Knights games over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, guys. Uh, so there's Ryan Wallace. Um... I'm going to say something that I might regret saying or asking is uh, the song All the Small Things by Blink-182. Yeah. God, I'm a genius. Nailed that one. So happy for you. I'm proud of myself. All right. We got tickets to give away to go see The Scorpions Friday, October 21st at Michelob Ultra Arena. We got a pair of tickets. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. You'll win two tickets to go see The Scorpions on Friday, October 21st. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number six to win a pair of tickets to see The Scorpions. You got to know how to eat crab cakes. And you got to know how to, like, I'm learning how to crack crabs and eat crabs. It's a new thing for me. Very hard, John. You got to split the middle and you take the legs off and then you go through the whole process. Um... Um, you're locked in the press box okay that was kevin willard by the way congratulations to reed he won the tickets to go see the scorpions nice that was kevin willard he is the new head coach of the maryland terrapins and i don't know what prompted that answer but he uh basically said he has to learn how to eat crab now that he is in maryland it's true. Um, the, fir- the first question I have, though, is he initially said, I-, I had to learn how to eat crab cakes. You eat them with a fork. Crab, cake- crab cakes are an easy way to eat crab. There's nothing special about eating crab cakes. So I'm a little, I don't know if he knows the difference between crab cakes and crab legs. Uh, but also, has this man never had crab legs before? I've never lived in Maryland. And I've eaten crab legs before. I've never had crab cakes. You haven't? There's a lot of things I haven't eaten, so I never judge anybody on saying like they don't they eat it a certain way or they haven't experienced it yet. Okay. All right. I I might need to interrogate you on this. That's fine. When you say there's a lot of things you haven't eaten. Just start naming stuff and I is, guarantee is most this things will be known. Because you are a picky eater? I'm a particular eater. So that's picky, yep. Same, it's it's the, it's it's a lot about texture for oh me. Oh my god, like, you're micromala. Uh, oh God! Food's really hard for me. Has been historically. Um, I'm one of those people that eats to live, but doesn't live to eat. And I'll eat the same thing over and over for months at a time. Yeah, yeah, oh my God! Okay, so Micromala tacos. Covers. We need your take on tacos. I just started eating them in the last few oh years. I just, um, I'll do like beef taco with lettuce. I'm just starting to be okay with cheese. I'm not a huge cheese person unless it's on pizza. 
Um, but I'm starting to get better about it. If it's melted, it's all right. But I can't ever just like eat straight up cheese or cheese curds. I'm not a fan. All right, Mike Ramala covers the uh, covers UNLV sports for the Las Vegas Sun. We have him on the show on a regular basis. Yeah, get some UNLV takes out of him, but he has very strange eating habits. Yeah, and one of I his favorite one of his favorite phrases is about the texture. One he says that all of the time, and that's like the first thing you said when describing this. Um, if if it doesn't he, have a consistent texture, or even if I just like look at it and it doesn't look the way I think it should, I won't eat it. Oh my god. Uh, this is very, are, this uh, is very common are you quoting for Mike Ramallah? No, but I'm, this is just very common for people with the, with the touch of the tism too. And so that's where I get mine. Um, so you know, just, he, just normal things for your, your garden variety. He not had a taco yeah. until he ate one on air. Really? Yeah. Uh, he's, you, you sound like you are okay with eating more tacos. Yeah, yeah, I just I don't necessarily seek them. Done. I had like a very brief affair with Del Taco, and then they didn't deliver to me on Cinco de Mayo one year. So I'm kind of protesting. <laughs> but that's the thing is like if you don't if you're not consistent, like I I kill off that option for for me to eat at. Um, can I ask you this question? Yes. Um, do you eat more than just chicken? Like as not right now. Well, yeah, I'll eat beef. I'll eat steak. Um, okay. I, I like stir fry. Um, oh, okay. Stir yep. fry. That's something Mike's not eating. Yeah. That's too many ingredients yeah. in one bite. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't mind it. It's, it's about texture. It's about, so I like really sweet things. Um, yeah, that, Go that's back. definitely, oh, he, he, does he like sweet things the, or he's a salty guy? Oh, he does. He loves sweet things. The main, the main thing where Mike Romalo will absolutely eat, I shouldn't say anything, but mm -hmm. will eat just about is baked goods. Mm. like uh, bread desserts bread uh, in a normal day i'll eat like three different types of bread <laughs> like i'll have a, i'll have half a baguette with my with my chicken that is put in the oven for 20 minutes to dry the absolute hell out of it and it's amazing because it's crunchy every time i'll have like some peanut butter and jelly toast and then sometimes i'll have crescent rolls we are going to have oh. to have micro on the show the next time you're I, on the show yeah we do and, like taste tests be like no nah, i'm not touching that and i'll oh. be and i'll end up being the weird one at some point, we're going to have to show her the video of Mike Kramala attempting to eat a burrito. Oh, yeah. He ate his first burrito in here. I just get, like, the least amount of ingredients. I'm like, give me rice, give me the meat, yeah, yeah, and give me lettuce, like, and that's all I want. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's I don't Mike like Kamala. spicy things. I'm from the Midwest. Yeah, that's Mike Kramala. Okay. Yeah. All right. I am... Um, I if you In all honesty, if you were reading direct quotes from Mike Kramala on this show, I would believe you, because you have said, like, four things. Really? Uh -huh. That is exactly what Kramala says. Routine-based. When he comes Very on Very routine-based. Um... I did. Okay. You've never had a crab. Have you ever had crab legs? Yeah. I've had crab okay. legs. Crab legs are pretty good. I don't okay. like shrimp. I don't like raw shrimp. I'll eat. I don't really like fish that much. I like hibachi. I like it when it's cooked, like where they do it on the giant grill in front of you and it's a whole thing. I'll eat it that way. But otherwise I don't really. Good. Yeah. Lobster. I don't. I Scallops. I hate. They're so slimy. <laughs> I did faint once eating hibachi. It's one of the three places I fainted. Just because of too much heat in the kitchen. No, no I, just, we he don't just know. Faints. He just I, well, we, I know, I, I've, I've gotten the story of the couple. I just didn't know if there was like yeah. an outside uh, force that was helping egg that on. That probably, but I have no idea. But this is uh, this is the last time I fainted, and I went face down into my plate. I will say, did it break? Uh, no, 
but it ended up on the floor and I was going to take the I'm just glad song. you didn't get like shards or anything in your no, face. No, it didn't break, but it is the, the money maker It is radio. probably the funniest time that I fainted because I went straight down, <laughs> All face places down into hibachi. my yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say there is a direct um, correlation between timeline of him knowing me and fainting starting. Yeah, mm. I never fainted before I knew Just Jared. say the stress levels are a little bit higher and maybe we're going past the threshold more yeah. often than we'd like. It's not not great. Not great. Um Never had a crab cake. Okay. No. I guess that's not that weird. Crab cake. What's like your not. favorite meal? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I had them in Mississippi. Are they that regional? Let's just oh seafood God, in general. Like yeah. we eat a lot of trout and crappie and northern pike in Minnesota because those are the lakes we get. Those are the fish we got. Yeah. Northern. And they make like a fish jello. What? One of the. No. That sounds disgusting. No, I'm, thank I'm you. moving past that. Uh, one of the most disappointed times I've ever been in a restaurant. That's, that's real. I was going to prom, I think, when I was a senior. And we went to this fancy restaurant, mm-hmm. and I ordered the appetizer was was crab cakes. Yeah, and I ordered it, and it was like twenty bucks. And they came out, and it was one single crab cake. The greatest crab cake ever assembled. No, I was furious because I thought I was getting multiple crab cakes, but I paid twenty dollars for one crab cake as a senior in high school, which wow. is just devastating. If you went to Applebee's, you wouldn't run into that problem. <laughs> Do they even just have a half crab off apps? No, they do not have crab legs. They definitely have shrimp, though. They have, like, <laughs> coconut shrimp. Sounds good. We'll go eat No seafood cakes. there. Oh, not a on. one. Seafood's great.